0: Hey everyone, this is Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have Braden McDonald. You may remember him from Project Runway a few seasons ago. He was also a premier dancer in this country with the Mark Morris Dance Group. In this interview, we talk about his route from small town to big city to becoming one of the country's best dancers to becoming one of the country's best fashion designers. And... Gaining some fame on TV through Project Runway Um, I really enjoyed my time with him I'd never met him before I want to thank Josh Winograde for setting this up Or at least facilitating it for me Um, I really had a great time And Braden has some terrific stories I found his um, path to success To be really inspirational Lots of great lessons um, to be learned And uh, anyway... I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a really great interview. So thanks again for listening. And I'd sure like to hear from you as well. My address is Omar at LivingWithagenius.com. I'd love to know what you think about the show, um, things that you like, things that you wish I did, things that you'd like me to change. Um, please don't be shy. I've got a pretty thick skin. I mean, I've been in classical music for 25 years. So um, if that didn't do it, nothing will. Anyway, I really want to thank you guys for listening and um, enjoy the interview. Thanks.
1: All right. <clears throat> it's like a radio show. I know, right? A radio show.
0: So we need to keep, keep put it like, yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, thanks a lot for having me over. It's really nice to meet you. You know, I've seen you at the opera a couple of times, kind of passing through. I've always wanted to say hi, um, but you know, you know, I'm always in costume and makeup and. Look like a total weirdo. Um, so, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, we were uh, before I got the before I started recording. We were talking about um, how you go about um, the difference between costuming and fashion, and how you kind of flip flop uh, when you're. What, what did you say when you're when you're working in fashion? You like to think about costuming, yeah. and vice if, versa. If
1: I'm if I'm working on a fashion design project, yeah. I always forget about fashion completely, hopefully, okay. and pull from my experience on the stage as a dancer, as yeah. a performer, mm-hmm. uh, and from you know a heightened theatricality to bring that into fashion. And when I'm working on costume design, I do exactly the opposite. I you know think, who wants this crazy <laughs> costumes? Let's get rid of it all and put it put everyone in some you know fabulous fashion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so you mentioned two.
0: you mentioned you were a dancer. I did a little. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't like to do a whole lot of research. I do just enough research so that I, I, I try not to um, insult the people that I'm talking to. <laughs> well, <that's good. laughs> I mean, just just barely. Like I'm just <laughs> over that threshold. Um, so I read about, and I think Josh mentioned it in our interview um, that you danced for Mark Morris, mm-hmm. and you guys met at Juilliard. Yeah. Um, let's back let's back up because I um. I have a, I have an interesting story about how I got into music. What's your What's the story about you getting into dance? How does How did that work
1: out? I was six years old, mm-hmm. and uh, a dance teacher sent a little slip of paper uh, around. You know, this is like many, in your many grade years school before email. Yeah, so I think she printed up one little paragraph on an eight by eight and a half by eleven sheet, and yeah. then sliced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that you know, she had all these little tiny little banners, strips of uh-huh, paper. Uh-huh. That said, if you'd like to take dance lessons, call this number. So I was it just it.
0: some strange woman off the street, or how? Well, I
1: mean, she she's you know she's I grew up in a small town in northern New York, and okay. everybody you know there's one dance studio, and everybody knows Donna Foot, named very appropriately. Absolutely. So every year you every year everybody expected her to come in with the little strips of paper. Yeah, I mean everybody kind of knew. Yeah, the dance school and. So I took it home to my mom and I said, I want to tap dance. And I don't know where I'd ever seen tap dancing before that. But I think, you know, just as an American kid, you know what tap dancing is. Sure. Okay. From, you know, the time you're born. Um, and she said, okay, well, I don't know if they teach boys. And I said, well, call and find out. Uh-huh. And a week went by, and I asked again. And she said, oh, I I didn't think you were really serious about it, but okay, I'll call. (laughs) She's the opposite of a stage mother, thank God. Uh, So I started my first year one half-hour class a week. And when it came time for the recital to do my routine, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved it. And it was a, a thrilling experience to perform. And I realized at that point that, you, there, I was there's something a, I was something to the performer that wow. I loved being on stage. I loved studying something so that you know it inside and out, and practicing and at that then, age was something that you enjoyed that you kept up with. I and, did honestly. I wow. didn't practice very much. I see. Uh, You're natural. I, I yeah. I had to be um, a, quick study. Um, you guys get out of here. <laughs> Go, away. Go away. Um, I'm gonna bring a squirt bottle. On.
0: Yeah. Sure. Just in case I get out of line. Yeah. <laughs> I ask a question that you don't want to answer. <laughs> I of all. Just of the
1: all right. Well, all right. What was I? So you were a natural at dancing oh, and you yeah. didn't have to I, practice a whole lot. I, I didn't. I loved rehearsal. I loved being in the room with everyone else, yeah. but I really didn't like being alone practicing on I my own. I was the same way as a musician. I don't know how people do it. I could never be a pianist, for instance. Oh my god, It's so I solitary! A Juilliard, you know all of the instrumentalists yeah. and vocalists. Yeah, they put in bars on the windows rooms. so they don't yeah. jump out. It's amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. they they put bars on the doors at night to make them sleep, oh. or else they would just rehearse all night. It was uh, really yeah. Oh, so they didn't have they would that lock them right? out at night. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so I'm kind of the opposite. Yeah, I like, me too. I yeah. like the group rehearsal.
0: Me too. Yeah. Okay, so you're six years old you start dancing and you just, I, you just didn't stop. I mean, what, how did that, how did you get,
1: I mean, getting from there to Juilliard's a pretty big jump. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't stop the second year. I took two classes. The third year I took three or four or five classes mm-hmm. and it just built every year. Um, when I first started, it was only tap dancing mm-hmm. for probably six, seven years before I dared to do jazz couldn't stand jazz you had to move your hips <laughs> i hated ballet what do you
0: mean you had to move your hi- what, what was it was it, was oh, it i mean you what's know. it the,
1: you know, the sexuality of it or what was it yeah i just didn't want to you know, do any latin hips when i was 10 or 11 years That's old yeah, yeah 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 so, please no <laughs> um but t- tap gave me such a great uh in with music because sure. i always loved music and i loved using music to perform even though i wasn't a musician what did you but grow as up as a tap listening dancer to? you know it's kind of questionable it's not really a musician but it kind of it can be well it can be yeah i mean there's nothing
0: worse than a tap dancer that doesn't tap to the rhythm i mean christ it, it happens. happens i know it's a just lot a, on broadway it's infuriating <laughs> <laughs> so I was, uh,
1: I was broadway bound i was like i'm gonna be in broadway yeah you know I'm yeah broadway show and then i kind of went to see Broadway shows yeah. at that age. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if that's really what I want to do. Because it wasn't the big production numbers of the, you know, golden age of cinema, it, yeah, Fred yeah. Astaire, Gene Kelly, sure. you know, big Busby Berkeley numbers, extended cut. It was just kind of kickball change, chorus, right. whatever. There wasn't really dance-driven shows right. like that. So what did your parents think about this, the... About the,
0: you know, how'd that go?
1: How'd that go over? I was from a very small, t- I am from a very small town. Um, one school in the town, kindergarten through 12th grade, about 80 to 100 people per class. Wow. Uh, graduating class. So everybody knew everybody. Yeah. The school had an amazing fine arts program. mm mm-hmm. uh, a husband and wife teaching team moved there to raise their children and to teach artwork. And because of them, the community sort of embraced fine arts mm-hmm. and performing arts. So it wasn't out of the well. ordinary. Yeah. It, it definitely was, but for some reason, it was acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not totally. I mean, there was some harassment, but. In what way? What do you mean? From peers or from. From older people in town males at the
0: school really? from a couple grades older of course because you, you were be because you were the fir-
1: were you the first well i was like the only boy, boy huh. really i see okay sometimes boys start dancing young and then they stop dancing when they're eight or nine or ten years old right but definitely the only teenager male teenager that was dancing in this town
0: now were they making fun of
1: the fact you were dancing or your sexuality um, I don't think to them there was a difference. I think they assumed uh-huh. that I was gay uh-huh. and it was a different time because I mean, you were dancing. I mean, yeah. no, I think it still happens. You today. think so?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I, I remember when I was, you know, when I was in school, it was, I, I was just, um, it, I I don't have any school age kids right now, but it just seems like the friends that uh, that I have that do have school age kids are having a different experience than I did. I mean, there were there were fights at school like almost every day. I can't imagine kids just going toe to
1: toe and just punching each other now. Well, I don't, you know, it depends on I guess where you what are, what town you're in. I yeah. mean, it's still the norm in a lot of places. Wow.
0: Okay. So you, did but I wouldn't. You wouldn't say you suffered for it, right? I mean, there were just a
1: few. No, it was it was verbal. Sort of emotional uh, obstacles that I had to confront, and I just ignored it. Right. Would your parents were your parents supportive of of all of that? They were extremely supportive Uh of me dancing. Uh Um, My dad was a carpenter, okay, and he would put the taps on my tap shoes, screw them into the shoes. Right. He would build set pieces for me platforms for, to tap I was, on. I, and... I was doing a singing in the rain solo. Uh, and he built a park bench that the, the legs could unscrew so we could get it in the car and travel to wherever I was doing the number. And then he would assemble it and get it on stage. Yeah. And then I do the number and he disassemble it. The best thing he made, uh, were maracas for, uh, a group number yeah. that I was in. Yeah. Welcome to Rio. I mean, oh you had God, to shake your remember. hips, I bet. I mean, uh, No, we, we didn't. The Maracas <laughs> did the work, thank God. And it was a tap number. So um, we had no money growing up. I was the youngest of six kids. Wow. Um, your mom, would, would, did your mom uh, make an income, or was she in charge of the house? She was in charge of the house and mm-hmm. six kids. And Jeez. at one point, we had 13 people living in the house, one bathroom. She would cook and clean and do the laundry for 13 people daily. Wow. So looking back, I mean, she had more than a full-time really job. Superhuman. But these maracas that my dad made mm-hmm. for basically no money, he took some scrap wood from the garage, cut circles, used a dowel for the handle. Then we, he used old tin cans, cut the tops off, put gravel from the driveway into the tin can, and then nailed the can onto the round Handle. That is amazing. And we spray painted them red. <laughs> so, yeah, he was very creative, and I learned a lot from him about designing from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. You know. Doggies. <laughs> Get out Should the spray, spray bottle. Uh,
0: all right. Uh, no, no, it's all right. It's no big deal. It's called editing. <clears throat> Is that a doberman mix
1: half doberman half german shepherd uh-huh
0: that's nice all all german <laughs> <laughs> so you've got these maracas and how old were you when that when you were doing that must have been eight years old or okay. something what kind of music were uh, were your folks i mean what kind of music first of all i'm assuming that you had music playing in the house like, did your parents were your parents music fans? My mom or?
1: would would play records. Uh-huh. Uh, she loved. Um, we all did Mitch Miller sing along albums. Uh huh. Um, she loved Liberace.
0: Now, but this must have been in the in the mid eighties, right, or the early eighties? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. But Liberati—I mean, Liberati—was was he
1: still doing his thing then? Oh, these—I mean, I think she picked up the albums at rummage sales. I see. Okay. And so. Okay. Yeah, we have an incredible collection of vinyl. From <laughs> That's <our> amazing. <laughs> okay. Um. So there was there was music. Uh, I was also performing with an Irish American uh, fiddle band, and I started as a clogger. Uh huh. Um, with the group and then broke my leg in seventh grade. There was a, a girl the same age as I was who was a fiddler. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to learn how to clog. I wanted to learn how to play the violin. So Foot while my leg well. was broken, mm-hmm. I taught her how to clog with a full uh, a, um, full leg cast yeah, on. Yeah. And she taught me how to play the fiddle. Really? Yeah. So then there was always, then we were going to a lot of Irish uh, music, festivals, and, and did you learn how events. to play the violin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, proficiently? Um, enough, you know? You enough. Wow. So, you know, learned my 25 tunes and... Wow, okay. Never great at reading music, sight mm-hmm. reading music. Mm-hmm. Um, from the dance background, I would just instantly memorize everything. Yeah, yeah. So, I never really exercised the staff to right. performance okay uh, technique but yeah played the fiddle for many years okay so you're you're in upstate
0: new york in a mm-hmm. little house jammed full of people to the brim your mom collects vinyl records from thrift shops and you've got some red maracas made out of tin cans and <laughs> and driveway
1: gravel now i would rehearse yeah at home I, I I Well, you had an audience. I, I mean, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom loved watching me. My dad loved watching me. Mm-hmm. We would push the dining room table back and roll up the rug, mm-hmm. and I would tap dance on the hardwood floor wow. of the house. Okay. Um, to this day, my mother has the rug down, but she doesn't want to refinish the floor. Wait, they she... live
0: in the same house?
1: Yes, my mom's, my mom's still in the house. My dad passed away years ago, oh. but yeah, my mom's still there. And she wants to preserve this floor that, for with posterity. all the nicks and gouges for my tap shoes for you know some museums well no i mean it's kind of
0: like when you take a pencil and you mark the kit you know we they grow right i mean yeah. you don't you can't paint over that No,
1: that's at the edge of the dance floor is the pencil with exactly. all of us grown up yeah so. yeah yeah yeah
0: okay so i what i was getting at was <clears throat> you you really you you didn't have a lot of money how do you get to new york
1: city and get to juilliard i started teaching dance when I was probably 14 years old, uh-huh. I started the first year, again, I started with maybe teaching one night a week. Mm-hmm. Where? Um, at,
0: at a studio or?
1: Um, at, at Ms. Ms. Foote's place? Yeah. She would, we would rehearse in the school actually and pre- push the chairs back in a study hall and just dance on the floor in the, in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would travel to other towns with, by the time I was 16, I had around... 350 students um i would travel around travel around to a different town each night for three nights wow. a week and then i would uh take dance lessons the and other three guys, nights you a week had a car i mean uh i did yeah when i was 16 i had a car okay um before that my mom would drive me wow to the to the location and i was teaching everyone from five years old and to parent classes sure so it was it was kind of an amazing time looking back, but I was making really good money. That's amazing. You know back then. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I, I had money to travel. I would travel to New York City for uh, dance conventions and mm-hmm. competitions. Um you'd have to pay so much money to get into these things to get your, you know, participation trophy. Right, right. Whatever. It was a racket. But right. I learned about how to perform under pressure. I mm-hmm. learned about the business About of the, dance, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. business of dance, business of performing, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what mood you're in or whether your body's killing you or whether your tap shoe flies off in mm-hmm. the middle of a piece. You just keep going and, and do it going. half mm-hmm. barefoot, you yeah. know, and yeah. smile. Yeah, That's and sell right. it. So that determination of making something work was instilled in me very young. So you were going through high school and you were making good money.
0: And then how did you, uh, I, I mean, how did you get to Julie? How did you apply? What was that?
1: From seventh grade on, I was participating also in the fine arts program at school, which mm-hmm. is basically a college level program every year. People go to Pratt, Parsons, FIT um, from the little school in your From town. this little school, yeah. Wow. It's, okay. It was an, uh, from seventh grade on, we would have critiques. We would hang our work on the wall mm-hmm. and discuss it as a class mm-hmm. from seventh grade. You wow. know, it's it, it was amazing. And um, in the art room, there was a poster for New York State Summer School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. And they had a dance program. So, uh, one summer, I... Auditioned. I traveled to Syracuse, New York, yeah. which was an hour and a half away. It was yeah, a big city. Big, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> it said, "Be prepared to audition barefoot." And I assumed that that meant um, that they didn't want to know who had money and who didn't have money because shoes are expensive. Oh, that's interesting. And it was always a question of, "Do you have the latest shoe or whatever?" In a yeah. dance studio. So I thought that was like you know hmm. some way to make everyone even. Like, yeah. Right. I didn't know what modern dance was at that point in my life. And we also had to bring a solo as part of the audition. Uh-huh. And I brought—I was bringing a tap solo. So I, I hoped that they were going to let me wear tap shoes for the solo. Right. But I was just going to do it barefoot anyway uh, if they didn't. So I went and that was my first experience um, with modern dance. And... What did they?
0: How did that? I mean, so we're in
1: the room and you don't have your shoes on. Mm-mm. You're wondering what the fuck's going I'm on. I'm in a black unitard. <laughs> Okay. And barefoot. That's what how you. That was a uniform for the audience. And you're like looking
0: around, waiting for something to happen, not knowing what they want. And uh-huh. then what did they say? I mean. Carolyn
1: Adams, uh-huh. who looked like she was the teacher from Fame, uh-huh. the movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Petite little black woman, gorgeous, yeah. comes up to teach the class. And she just starts having us move. And I was moving in ways that I hadn't before. Uh-huh. It wasn't about performance. Um, I had that fine art training so I was I could understand what she was talking about when she was talking about concepts and theory and Mm -hmm. and not just about and you already had a dance posture posture and deportment and yeah I mean I had had that training so um so I went to this program. It was four weeks long, the mm-hmm. month of August, at Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs. And
0: did you have to audition to be uh,
1: admitted? Yeah, they only accept about 24 dancers a year, and okay, they have so auditions f- all over New York State. So
0: from that scene that I set with you in your black unitard barefoot, that that's
1: what got you into the program? That's what got me into the program. Uh-huh. And I was a student there for three years. Uh, I went back every summer, fell in love with it and mm-hmm. realized that modern dance is where performance and art really intersect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And all of that fine art training that I had, all of the music training that I had, all of the dance training that I had could be incorporated into one experience. Wow. Okay. So you're in Syracuse? Saratoga Springs for the Saratoga summer. Springs.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you go through that program and how you're 16, 17? Yeah, like 15, 16, 17 years old, those summers. Now, did
1: somebody pluck you out and say, hey, uh,
0: Braden, there's this school in the city that you need to look into?
1: Absolutely. Carolyn Adams, Gene Ruddy, Linda Kent, Ruth Andrian were all on faculty at Juilliard. Uh And they were the teachers at the summer program. Uh And they said, what are you doing for college? I was a junior in in high school. school. uh They said, what are you doing for college? Or yeah, what, was yeah, what your ideas uh-huh. and they said you should audition for juilliard and at that point i had not studied ballet mm-hmm. uh and i thought it was a ballet school I, if i even knew anything about it i just assumed it was a ballet school and right. it's not really what i wanted to do but i researched it and found out that it was modern and that they were teachers there and and said okay well if i'm going to do that i have to move away from home Mm -hmm. i have to study something else besides my dance studio jazz and tap lessons Mm -hmm. so in august before my senior year of high school Mm -hmm. i called my mom from this program and said a teacher here is from buffalo academy of visual and performing arts and she wants me to go there for my senior year of high school which started in like four weeks like two weeks right okay because this is the end of the summer yeah and so an english teacher from my hometown uh knew someone in town whose sister-in-law lived in buffalo and so i rented a room at their house got an address in the school system wait but
0: wait did but you left behind i would assume a group of friends and relationships Absolutely. that you yeah and I moved six hours away
1: from home my senior year of uh, high What was
0: that like? I mean, it wasn't a... Uh, you, because w- w- the way you're telling the story seems like you didn't even think twice about it.
1: No, I, j- I really wanted to do it. Wow. I talked to my mother and she's she's always supportive of something if I thought it through and I really wanted to do it. Yeah. She would, you know... Do what she could to facilitate what I it. I should be concerned uh-huh. about mm-hmm. and then say, the choice is up to you. And wow. so... Because at that age, you know,
0: I mean, uh, relationships at that age are so... I, re, I mean, I remember being 16, and everything is so overly dramatic and, and so mellow, melodramatic. It's mm-hmm. the end of the world if I can't see this person anymore. And you, you've, you just... I
1: moved. That was it? It was it. Wow. I was at the same school from kindergarten through 11th grade. And then my senior year, I just... I had to go. There was this opportunity to learn at the school to study modern dance throughout the year, not just in the summertime. And you'd just been bitten by that bug. So it was really Mm -hmm. heavy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I went to the performing arts high school and double majored in dance and fine art. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, of course there was never a lunch period. There was never a study hall. I was packed with classes all the time, but I'd always been. I was in band and chorus and select chorus and all the musicals at the school and the art department and performing and taking lessons and teaching and the Irish fiddle group. I mean, I always did way too much. And were you a good student uh, in your hometown? I got very good grades. Okay. But, you know, I bullshitted my way through
0: half of it.
1: that's called life. I mean, but you know, I I still got the grades. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'm smart.
0: So you were really prepared for this adventure move yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah wow i, I think so i okay. mean it just
0: it felt right and then did they have a connection
1: to juilliard as well were, uh... um no they but they you'd already made connection these connections yes. over the summer yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh um so i went to the performing arts high school i would travel to new york city to visit my friends who mm-hmm. were a couple years older than i was uh, that i was mm-hmm. and um they were going to Cooper Union. Uh, art school and I would go and stay with them for a week or two, whatever I had off and just experience the city. I'd go down for auditions. Um, And how was your
0: dad with all this? I mean, was he,
1: well, my dad passed away when I was 15.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. So
1: it was actually just before like cusp of 14, 15. I see. Um, He was 71. He was much older than my mom. Mm -hmm. He was, my dad was born in 1918. Wow, okay. And it's amazing to think that I'm the first generation in his family to be born with electricity. Uh, yeah, for example. I well, <laughs>
0: yeah, and especially at that time, too. I mean, people were having kids at 15, 16 years yeah. old. I mean, I mean, my son's going to say the same thing. I'm 46, so, you know, he's going to be like I'm going to be 80 when he graduates college, I'm, you know. I'm probably 95 if he takes my my route. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, do, do you still have those red maracas? I'm sure we do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So okay. I'm sorry. We kind of went on on a tangent there. Uh, that's.
1: Yeah. Dude. Was he ill? I mean, did, or did, uh, did, did he just, died of cancer? But we didn't know that until after uh, he'd passed away. So he worked up until the time he died. He wow. basically got flu like symptoms, and, and that was it. Two weeks later, that was it. Wow.
0: So okay. So your mom really uh, was the driving force. I yeah. Mean, she kept everybody together. Wow okay all right so you're you are going to town and meeting your friends at you know from Cooper Union and then how did you had you already decided to
1: audition for Juilliard is just a matter of waiting for the audition date at that point I knew I wanted to audition for Juilliard mm-hmm. and my mom said okay you need to apply to some other schools mm-hmm. and so I made an application to Brown mm-hmm. um, to Philadelphia, um, university of the arts to mm-hmm. North Carolina, um, Goucher, I don't mm-hmm. know, places that had dance programs and something else. Right. And, you know, it was like 50, 75 bucks per application. Yeah. Uh, and my mom was paying for it at the time. And I said, I gave, gave her a late night phone call and said, look, I can save you some money. Yeah. I really, even if I, I, don't get into Juilliard. I just want to move to New York, study ballet and audition again next year. I don't even want to go to these other four schools that I'm applying to. Right. And you know, the same way that I moved away from home, my senior year of high school, she said, have you thought about this? Is this really what you want to do? And I said, yes. And she's like, fine. So I tore up the other four applications and only applied to Juilliard. Right. And That audition process was amazing. It was a 10-hour audition. You go in the morning, you take a ballet class with the judges, with the teachers, Uh faculty watching. Then you take a modern class, and then you perform a solo that you brought, and then there's a short break where they discuss and then they bring you back for an interview and then they bring you back for another solo, a second solo. Wow. So it was this all day process. Was it nerve
0: wracking for you? Or were you? Cool? It was
1: really nerve wracking, <laughs> especially ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got through that, you know, you're, yeah, you're I was home waiting, for waiting for the solos and, and tore it up. And I knew faculty. You yeah, know? I right. knew these teachers. It wasn't just strangers in New York City at this fancy school. Right. Um, you know, I had a connection and I I had confidence because mm-hmm. I you already knew through, what they thought of yeah, you. Through yeah, through the summer school, I had already performed works by Martha Graham, Paul Taylor, David Parsons, um Jose Limón. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I did all this classic repertory before I even got to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I had some confidence, but I was still, you know, extremely nervous. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got in. It's exactly like fame. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Everything. So you got in. got in. And how did
0: you, I mean, how did you pay for it? Uh, I got a Liberace scholarship. See, those records paid off. I bet your mom was thrilled. Isn't that amazing? Yeah.
1: I didn't apply for it, but he had given money to the school. And to this day, there's a Liberace scholarship oh that's gosh. funded by um, you know, that Juilliard has, and it's just a good chunk of money. And where did you, did you use that to live as well? Is it enough to? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I ended up paying some, taking out some loans. Mm -hmm. You know, I sort of did max loans that I could, Mm -hmm. and then got a scholarship for the rest of it. Yeah.
0: And you were there for four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. And then
1: from there, I would imagine you met Mark somehow, or what, what, what happened? Um, I danced for 3 years with the José Limón company. Okay. While well, you were at Juilliard? No, after. Oh, Juilliard, after. Immediately okay. after. Uh, okay. I danced uh with the Limón Dance Company for 3 years and then with Mark Morris Dance Group for 10 years. 10 years. What was he like? He is a monster genius. Yeah. Yeah. He's just on. He wakes up in the morning and the switch is turned to on. Yeah. And it's always on all day, and then he goes to sleep and turns the switch off. But there's no in between. It is wow. it is full out, yeah, or not, yeah, okay. And it's amazing. I it, mean, is
0: he easy to w- work with, or is he? I mean,
1: um, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, okay, but he gets what he wants out of thrilling. People. Mm-hmm. For you know, it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. He's he's brilliant. Um, very difficult. He's yeah. very demanding. Mm-hmm. But I liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked teachers who pushed me to get better. I didn't yeah, of course, I didn't yeah. like the easy, you know, the easy thing where everyone's like, "Oh, that's really nice." I wasn't ever into that, and neither is Mark Morris. He doesn't mm-hmm. want anything in between. He doesn't want anything milk toast, you know. Right. All or nothing. No middle of the road. Right. And were you designing clothes at that point? i was does i was collecting fabrics around the world uh, when i was on tour uh-huh is that how uh, it started uh, for 14 years yeah uh-huh it was um i just loved the textiles to me it was fine art that i could afford so when i went to japan i sure you know, did some damage at the antique kimono shop and brought back this thick obi silk jacquard that's just you know unbelievable wow, wow okay um and in Spain and in London and even around the U.S., I would just pick up different textiles wherever I was uh-huh. and hoard them. Uh, I didn't have any outlet for them. I was just collecting fabric. As, well, as pieces of art. Mm-hmm. As pieces of art or interest or mm-hmm. I just loved how it looked. Yeah. And then Josh bought me a sewing machine to start using this just fabric of, that come was on, hanging just around. A, d- I, I had started hand quilting and I was cutting them uh-huh. up and doing like little book covers. Uh-huh. That were like little crazy quilts. I was obsessed with quilting. Okay. I never actually made quilts, but I loved looking at them and the intricacy and the folk art aspect of it Mm -hmm. using all these different kinds of textiles. Mm. Um, And so I was making little book covers and then I was making throw rugs and sewing everything by hand. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, So then he saw that I was sewing and bought me the sewing machine. And then I started making bags because as a dancer you use a bag in new york everybody male female you mean like duffel you know, bags or like, shoulder bags uh-huh. duffel bags some you know made specifically for women some unisex um, i see tote bags messenger bags okay anything because it was to use this fabric and so i'd combine the fabric in different ways yeah different pieces of fabric was and that hard to do kind of make to take a these things style. that you loved and cut and cut them up Yeah. You have to be careful with the special ones. Yeah. My mother gave me a credit card when I went to Juilliard Mm -hmm. and she said, this is only for emergencies. I had a lot of, a lot lot of fabric emergencies. I had a lot of fabric (laughs) emergencies. One in particular was at ABC home, which had the most incredible textile, uh, ground floor bolts and bolts and bolts up to the ceiling. And I would just walk around and touch every single fabric in the store. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is while I was dancing. I just, was fascinated by it. So I'd go in. There was this one Jacquard. It was on sale half price for 80 bucks oh a my yard. God. This wow. is in 1994. Wow. Uh, it was an emergency. I could not leave the store mm-hmm. without a yard of this fabric. And yeah. so I whipped out my mom's credit card and got the fabric. Yeah. And I kept that fabric with me for years. And then it finally became a bag um, and I would give bags away to my friends, and they said, "Oh, you should sell them," you know. And I was like, "Oh, this is right when Kate Spade started, yeah, and right. Monica Lewinsky had her bag uh, line, right? And, you right. know, like bags were really hot." Yeah, that's right. Oh, I remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and, that, uh, and Jerry Seinfeld's uh, girlfriend at the time was making bags
1: too. I forget her name. Anyway, yeah. So, in order to figure out whether or not these were all charity, you know, gifts that. People mm-hmm. were giving me money to make them a bag because they knew me. Right. I decided to go down to Soho, took a sheet from my bed, threw it on the sidewalk, made twenty bags, laid them out, and they sold within an hour. You're kidding? No, I was. That's unbelievable. I was thrilled. So then I realized, okay, this is a product. I love making it. I right. feel like it's it's been vetted by art, total strangers. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's a different form of art. Something that. Not exactly fine art, but kind of. Mm-hmm. It brings in the whole folk tradition. I was making them all by hand. And mm-hmm. um, and so I started making bags. And I would have an annual bag sale in New York. And I would take my sewing machine on tour. So as I'm dancing, you know, all over the country and each little hotel room, I would go through the years Schedule and say, okay, I have two hours on this day and four hours on this day, and this day I have a day off, so I can do like eight hours on the road. On the road, so I'd figure out how many hours I had, how many bags I wanted to make. Yeah, for a bag sale around November holiday time. So Um, after a
0: show, everybody's like, "Hey, let's all go out," and you're like, "No, I got to, I got to." If I was,
1: yeah, if I was behind, I you know would have one drink and go back to the hotel (laughs) because because you can't sew. I didn't want to sew my fingers, (laughs) you know, right. Through the machine, uh-huh. so it uh, it saved me a lot of money from just you know yeah, running around spending around. money because I was bored, mm-hmm. uh, and I was making this thing that I loved. So it grew and grew to where the last year that I did the bag sale, I rented a gallery on the Lower East Side for two weeks and hung a hundred bags like paintings, gallery style on the wall. Yeah. I sold out the first week, and then the second week I just took orders and. Well, it, it helps that I, I did have a cocktail hour at five o'clock. Uh-huh, I'd wheel right. out the cocktail cart, at free cocktails <laughs> to any stranger off the street, uh-huh. and I would have this party. And of course, friends would come by, but a lot of people were just strangers, you know, just dropping like an art opening, you know, where you have your glass of wine or whatever. That's unbelievable. That's how I ran this gallery slash pop up store. Now, was
0: there a point? Was there a point where you thought, you know what? As a dancer, I'm already approaching retirement age and this is something i can transition into i mean when did the there must have been a that, tilting point
1: yeah that happened a little bit later mm-hmm. um i stopped the ba- making bags really after that sale because i realized it could be all consuming right and uh and i was also starting to do costume mm-hmm. oh no
0: what's that all about
1: He's being
0: oh, a brat. oh, tearing up a towel. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. So I stopped making bags, partly because it was all-consuming, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to start a bag company at that point in my life. I was happy that it would would have probably made money and been a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, that was comforting to me to know that there was something else. But I started doing costume and set design for a burlesque show that I started with um, friends of mine in New York. They were all from Oregon, mm-hmm. all these women, and uh, and brought me on board as sort of a comedic slash crazy contrast to them. But we styled this burlesque show on vaudeville yeah, uh, so that we had magic acts and puppets and And tap were you doing dancing. all the
0: tailoring at that point? Were you actually making the costumes? I was
1: building the costumes. How did I, you learn
0: to go from bags to coats? I mean, that's a uh, huge jump. I went...
1: Jam- I, channeled my dad making maracas out of nothing in the garage literally. really literally
0: you didn't go to somebody and say hey teach me how to make no. A shirt."
1: no i borrowed friends um textbooks on pattern making and would kind of look at the shape of something and say oh okay. well, that's way too complicated i'm just going to lay on the floor and draw around my body so that's how i started making patterns was just wow basically draping on my own body uh-huh and then um when it was, you know, needed to be fitted tightly to a woman, whoever was wearing it, I would have them stay overnight at my house. I God, would stay up all I, night. I should have thought of this. They, <laughs> I mean, that's a great, that's a great plan. They'd fall asleep for an hour while I was working on something and I'd wake them up to try it on because I didn't have a dress for them. I just used yeah. the people that were going to be wearing it. Yeah. And so I'd do a fitting on them and pin it, pin it, pin it, and then take it off them and they'd go back to sleep and I'd sew it and fix it and whatever. And by the morning, they had this fabulous whatever, whether it was you know a 14 foot ferris wheel that spun on my back yeah. or a giant butterfly wings that you know spanned was this 12, like during the feet? off
0: season of the dance no, company or no, you stop dancing
1: this was during 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 full-time performance with mark morris
0: how do you stay up all night and because i, I don't i don't know really i have no experience with dance i've got
1: two left feet Um, uh, As a singer, I can't stay up all night. No, and as a dancer, if I stay up all night, the muscles get really tight. You have to be really careful. Um, But I would do it when I knew I could. I I wouldn't do it before a big show. Got it. I would do it before a day of rehearsal where I knew it was not the smartest thing to do, but I also had to do it. Right. You were compelled. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in a way, it made my dancing better because I was... Fulfilled in so It takes so the pressure ways, off, right? You like know? every
0: step you make isn't make it or break it anymore. Like you have this other thing that you also enjoy. Yeah, that you're nurturing totally that you don't have that. to
1: shut off half of your artistic self yeah. just to do one thing. It's like if an opera singer wants to go out to karaoke yeah. or, you know sing pop music yeah. go for it one doesn't have to cancel right. out the other and if that's who you are it makes both better well i've got three i've got four disparate businesses that i
0: run only one of them is involved involves music really so i i i totally get what you're saying because i i i like to spread myself around first of all because i have other interests that i'm i'm just as compelled to exercise as music and secondly i mean music is the primary thing that i do but if that's all, there was a time when that's all that I had, and it it um, it's just too devastating when you when you fuck it up one night, you know you uh, cr- uh, like cracking my voice was suddenly meant. It means much less now than it did then, and that's a great relief. So is that maybe that's what you're kind of describing with this this other thing a little bit?
1: Yeah, it is, and. I didn't want to just be a dancer or just be a performer. I wanted mm-hmm. to be an artist. Yeah. And, you know, it's the performing arts. It's like a lot of times the art part is taken out of the hands of the performer and mm-hmm. it's only the composer or it's only the choreographer that's mm-hmm. the artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like having the bags and having the burlesque show and exploring different characters and using my voice on stage mm-hmm. in the burlesque show Um it was a huge learning experience. I mean, it was nerve wracking to go out on stage and improv as a a Southern woman, right. You know, in my clogging dress Uh playing my fiddle. Of course. And well, you're just, you're describing
0: the difference between interpreting and making. Yeah. And those are two different things. And I had to create
1: on the spot and I have to entertain this audience in a new way. Yeah. Right in front of me in a new way. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's not okay if they don't understand the that's modern right. dance piece because they're not sophisticated enough. And it's not quotes. even yours. But
0: it's somebody else it's exactly. somebody else's. It doesn't matter to that me, that you like it. That's you know, right. You know, this is
1: all you. This is all you. Yeah. And you're alone on stage, yeah. and somebody just paid twenty bucks to get into Joe's Pub, and if you don't make them cry, laugh, wet their pants, or scream, right. then you failed. Yeah, that's right. So to get this reaction to push myself as a performer only helped in the dance company and performing, you know, this high art, which Mark, <laughs> which Mark's work is both high and low brow at the same time, you know, Yeah, he mixes not irreverently, but you know, he mixes different things together that other people wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of did the same thing Mm -hmm. in terms of what I was doing as a performer and what I was using as, uh, as fuel for Mm -hmm. his work. And you found it, did you
0: find performing in this new capacity, um, engaging enough for you to continue? I mean, were you exhilarated by it or was it difficult
1: or did, were you compelled to do it just like making all of the above? Uh-huh. It was so nerve wracking. It was so tiring. It was exhausting. It was thrilling. Yeah. Um, sometimes you know, heartbreaking, I, was, disappointing. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, there were okay. a couple, there were a couple losses, but you know, I still like the pieces. Okay. Um,
0: so you were really, you were hooked again on something
1: else. Yeah. And then I went, I, I, was creating set designs that could be worn as costumes. And, and, you know, uh, one number in particular that was fabulous was human fly the Uh song, human fly. And I made this very sexy denim, tight fitting outfit with fur arms and googly eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, I used, uh, drain screens, the little drain catchers for the fly eyes. yeah, 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 Yeah. They looked fabulous. Um, and a fly paper set. So it's a, this big yellow oversized fly paper. Mm-hmm. And it said fly paper. <laughs> and, that, and the letters were made of Velcro. Oh. So that as she was doing her striptease, this human fly would get her arms stuck on the fly paper. And, and wear that piece Just the sleeve off. Uh. And then just the other sleeve off. And then just the vest. And then just the skirt. And then yeah. just the shorts. And whatever. So by the end, she was in pasties and panties. Yeah. And all of her clothing was stuck to the flypaper paper, in, you know, on the stage. I mean, you're really upstaging everybody. It's great. That's what, But yeah. this wasn't mine. This was for her. This was <laughs> her number. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was. Yeah. I was performing some numbers, but I was also. I, I only performed when Lady Rizzo. Uh, it was Lady Rizzo and the Assets is oh, the name of the burlesque right. show. So Lady Rizzo needed to have a costume change, so I got to sing my own number because she would sing everyone else's number, but. She, when she needed to do a costume change, yeah. I'd come out and do a number so that she could get a new look on. That's amazing. But it was a, a thrilling time. And when it came time for me to retire from Mark Morris, I'd traveled around the world. Yeah. I'd done the roles that I really wanted to do. Dido and Aeneas. Yeah. Uh, I played Dido mm-hmm. in that. Um, just a spectacular, spectacular piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was time for me to retire. Did you feel it or uh, what was that like? I retired a little on the early side. I could have danced a few more years, but it would not have been easier. It was not going to get more fun or more exciting. It was going to get harder because of my body. Um, I didn't have any major injuries, but I was 35 and you know, between 35 and 40, it's like, it gets kind of peak. And it's a question of, do I want to wait until I'm going downhill
0: did mark support the decision or what was uh, he did yeah he
1: did so no big drama no Uh no big drama um and uh he's still very supportive of my career now um but it was you know of course disappointing sure to leave this amazing career but it was time and i was excited because i was going to fashion school Mm -hmm. in los angeles at fidm Uh uh-huh um my last performance uh, was in October 2010 mm-hmm. in Berkeley, California. It was a Sunday matinee. Mm-hmm. And that night, I flew to LA and started orientation at FITM at 8 a.m. the next morning.
0: Were you guys... You guys weren't living here yet? Uh, you, yes. Uh, oh, yes. you were. You yeah, were. we were. I see. I, I see.
1: was still in New York. Josh was here. I would, was commuting back and forth wow. for five years. Wow. Uh, four years. Um, so,
0: what was that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So... What was that like suddenly being together all the time?
1: It was great. I mean, that's oh, what was. everybody was like, oh, you're going to be together. No, it's it was fantastic. It was a relief Oh, great. because the traveling was just, you know, it was too much. It didn't make sense. Yeah. And I was, you know, waiting for the day where we just had one apartment instead of two. And in he different was cities. He working
0: at LA Opera at the time?
1: Yes. I see.
0: Okay, so it was all set up for you. Basically, it was all set up, and uh-huh. I,
1: you know, had less than a twelve-hour turnaround between I mean, I one probably and the next. still had a little smudgy eyeliner on from the show when I started fashion school the next morning. Wow. Okay, and how did uh, what was that like? I mean, what were?
0: Uh, I I guess what I'm getting at is, as a, I'm just trying to imagine myself as an opera singer. I have a different relationship with singers uh, than I do with, say, the trombonists. So what was it like uh, coming from this rarefied world of dance at the top of your game, knowing that vernacular so well, and then stepping into this other profession with all these other kinds of personalities that they've been used to for 20 years? I mean, how'd that go? Was the transition easy that way, personally? Um,
1: it was exciting. Uh, I. It was exciting to start something new. It was petrifying to be a student again. I was so scared of having classmates um yeah they you were know, my, so my... far ahead of you right no 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 i was worried it would be the opposite that oh. i mean my class i was going back to college yeah. i was starting you know new so I've done that. Yeah, my classmates yeah. were 18 year old girls from orange county right got it i understand and i just come off of you know 13 14 years at of the top touring of the... the world yeah, right. at the top of my art form right and so I was worried that my classmates wouldn't push me, or that uh-huh. the You'd have no faculty wouldn't or- push me mm-hmm. the way that my art teachers had from seventh grade on. Mm-hmm. And you know, Mark Morris, coming off of ten years mm-hmm. of that amount of you know pressure and expectation to make every day better than the one before, mm-hmm. I had a lot of drive. Um, and then I realized the first day that all of my eighteen-year-old. <laughs> Women uh-huh. from Orange County were determined, yeah. to y- be the best in the class and to turn out, you know, fabulous fashion in any way they could. They weren't screwing around, and no, they weren't. And I was really relieved to know that there was such drive, yeah. at the school, regardless of what age you were. Yeah,
0: yeah. I had, I had a, uh, yeah. I, I went back to school for a, a spell to learn how to make film so i went back to film school as an as an adult i had the opposite experience i mean i'd go to school and every day i'd think god these people are just so fucking stupid Uh, now i I mean i don't mean that not everybody if you're listening i mean not everybody i made some good friends and and there were some but generally i basically with no experience became the guy that you know like the guy and so because he wanted it Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, so that's neither here nor there. So, so you were at how long is that program at FIDM?
1: Uh, I did a two-year program and then an additional nine-month program. I see. And during that time, you learned tailoring. You learned how to do all the pattern making, pattern making, sketching, fashion Mm -hmm. design, computer uh, CAD work. uh Yeah, Illustrator, Photoshop. Construction techniques. Learned about fabric. Learned about costume history. Learned about so, bu- the business of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, didn't sleep. I basically didn't sleep for three years. And, I would stay up three nights a week, all night. Oh my god, working because there was not enough time to do all the work. So you were working as hard or harder than
0: you had ever worked. Ever, wow. ever. Okay. harder than I ever have. That's unbelievable. And were you making collections at that time?
1: what were you? i finished I finished uh that it... nine month program um with a collection that was the point that's the point of the program is to get to a collection, which is like your final in a way you you can mm-hmm. it's it's an additional program to do that collection I see and I spent nine months making one couture collection basically and
0: had you started a business in fashion at that point or you were, you were still kind of figuring it out
1: no, I was full
0: time full time student, student. okay. Mean,
1: more than full time.
0: Okay, and then uh, pr- did Project Runway find you?
1: How did that? How did that work? Uh, after I finished, and uh, I watched that by them. the way, and I was pulling for you. Uh, thank I, you. I thought you were the best. Anyway, thank you. After FIDM, I worked in the industry in a junior contemporary market, um, okay, in downtown LA. Uh, things that you'd find, um, you know, for tweens and and women maybe like up INC to...
0: or something like that kind of thing.
1: Uh, kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. I did I, a lot of private I label. Know I know that. Yeah. Okay. But something, yeah, something like that. We, we, I did, was designing clothes that was, uh, going into Bloomingdale's and into Nordstrom's uh-huh. and into Tilly's. Um, so a, a range, but. And how do you get a job like that? You, you just hit the pavement and see who's hiring? Hit or what? The pavement, I mean, what do you do? Um, a lot of it's networking. Okay, You know, somebody knows somebody who has a job opening and mm-hmm. you get in, Recommended mm-hmm. and interview and you know, starts start that's sewing. About, that's how you do it. Well, okay. there was no sewing there. Oh, I just, see. Just designing, designing. Okay. Um, which was great because they had pattern makers and the sample sewers and, you know, it was, yeah. it was amazing to see production. Okay. So three months into that, I auditioned for project runway, went through that process, which was thrilling. Yeah. And I, they, w- how it was everybody friendly.
0: How does that, I mean, how, how did that?
1: Yeah. A lot of it's paperwork. Um, you submit maybe 60 pages of materials mm-hmm. uh, in terms of portfolio stuff portfolio and, stuff mm-hmm. answering their questions but also you know showing your patterns showing your, Construction showing your garments, mm-hmm. um, and they're getting a feeling for your personality during this. Yeah, whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then had some on-camera interviews, and then had the in-person interview, uh, which Tim Gunn was on the panel. Mm-hmm. And I brought that collection that I had made for mm-hmm. FIDM. And was this in New York? You had to go out to New York. Or? This was uh, here in L.A. They oh, have, I see. Uh, They do several different cities of auditions. I see. Okay, and Tim c- comes out for that. Yeah, he was there at my uh, at the uh, final audition, and you know i was just so thrilled after watching project runway for so many years uh-huh. and and seeing uh designers actually make something yeah, yeah, it's real le- it's i mean legit. it's totally yeah. legit and yeah. they have no time to do it and uh again i just everyone always told me oh you should be on project runway this is way before i even made clothing yeah and i said are you crazy <laughs> like i i couldn't make anything in eight hours that yeah, it's crazy, it right? So that, that the they really do that. That's not a joke. That's real. It's absolutely real. It's. I thought there was like some secret production right, staff that would come in after hours and actually finish the garments right. before the runway. No. So Tim Gunn's no joke. Like he's no. He's, when he comes he in and says real.
0: uh five minutes, he, he's it not fucking around.
1: Re- no, it is really five minutes, and I would literally be sewing a model as she's walking toward the door, cut the thread, and she exits the door. I mean. Every time, and how was, long
0: is that? How long is that pro, that program? How long is the? I don't. I forget how long the program lasts. I mean, how long are yeah, you filming, tied up with this thing?
1: Filming happens. It's uh, quite a long filming period. Mm-hmm. So you know, we were filming um, many weeks in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you moved back to New York, in effect. In effect, yeah. And then, and you're back but, in like a dorm, was, basically uh, a hotel hotel room. Yeah, but. Um, yeah it was i mean you can you see this, what was on the show and it really is yeah, that way absolutely they there's don't nothing, pull a bunch of there's no bullshit. Sc- there's no script there's n- nothing there's no could you do that argument again exactly we didn't yeah get that's it. what no. i always think that's no it. no not no the project runway um they have a it, lot of integrity it is, it's reality it is wow i mean they are just recording what is happening in there the must studio be cameras there's everywhere. plenty of drama just yeah. from the stress of trying to get these garments done and to know that in eight hours your garment is going up on television yeah. with a few million viewers and your name's under it. And it better be good because every day your career is on the line. I, I felt if I put out something that I wasn't proud of, yeah. it would be the biggest dent in my career possible. So wow. I always wanted to do something that was... Interesting to me, and then hopefully to other people. But I wanted it to like every garment I made.
0: You know, the other surprising thing about that show is I find that it's mostly pretty collegiate. Like, it seems like, well, I mean, no, for that business, uh, you know, I mean,
1: there's, you might want to rewatch. I mean, re- yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, do people like uh, sabotage other people and that kind of thing? No, no. Nothing no, like that. No. It's just, c- no. It's just,
1: it's just stress from, from everyone pushing themselves as hard as possible. Uh-huh. And of course you're in a competition. It's a real competition. You're out of your
0: comfort zone, you're not in your hometown, exactly. you're living in a hotel, you're yeah. up at the up it's cumulative. At, yeah, yeah, dawn and down at midnight and
1: Yeah, I see. But it was thrilling and um, you know, I showed a collection at New York Fashion Week at the end of that. And that's for real. For real. Okay. And it's uh I just always you know, assume that what I see on TV, it's all fake. That's absolutely all... thrilling. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Wow. And it's a wonderful opportunity for designers, especially young designers, but even established designers. Sure. Um, to have that platform to show their work. There's you know, there's very few venues to get that mass market mm-hmm. yet inside Scoop unless you're producing your own documentary. Right. So I love the show for that. Fact that it shows really what the designers are doing behind the scenes that you never get to see. It goes back to Isaac Mizrahi's Unzipped, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. You know documentaries, yeah. Um, so, so you went from designing for tweens
0: to this show, and what was the impact on your career?
1: I'm sorry if you've I, I answered this question no, no. A thousand um, times. After Project Runway, I was able to work for myself. Mm-hmm. And take on the projects that I wanted to take on, mm-hmm. and build uh, my career the way that I built my schedule when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. About yes, I want to be in band, and I want to be in chorus, and I want to be in the musical. And the I opportunities want to teach are and I want to do way more than I should be doing, uh-huh. and things that don't normally go together. Uh-huh. The same way that I did bags while I was touring, or the burlesque show while I was performing with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, now I am doing. Uh, a li- I have a licensing deal with Capizio mm-hmm. Dancewear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a collection out this year and a second collection coming out next year. How are they to um, work with? Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. They give you free reign, um, more or less. No, not really. No, but I, but I but that's okay. wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's uh-huh. for a specific customer. It is for the ballet studio. There's some see. crossover pieces. I see. But it, but I'm able to bring to the table. All of the skills I worked on, Mm -hmm. not only in fashion, in dance, but in bags. I mean, I'm going back to designs that I had started, textile designs, and working them into uh, next year's collection. One thing that I love is thread painting, where I build up layers and layers of paint that kind of are color field, sort of Uh Rothko-esque. Sure. Um, and it becomes this new textile of embroidery. So I did that. For Capizio? Yeah. Wow. Um, So I did that, had it scanned, made uh, the print from my handwork of embroidery. Wow. So that's the next collection um, I'm working on, but it goes back to bags. It goes back to the design ideas I had 15 years ago. Right, right. So it's, it's really great to... Pull from all the different worlds mm-hmm. and make a product mm-hmm. that sells. I mean, it's been. Fantastic. I yeah,
0: I've all yeah. I did a little research. I looked it up. The colorful side panels that kind of mm-hmm. twist around is it bit, it's mm-hmm. very very it's fetching? Thanks. Yeah. It's pretty... So um,
1: I'm also doing costume design.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to me. How, what, tell me more about that.
1: I didn't think I was going to be a costume designer, but mm-hmm. looking back, I already was. Right before right i learned technique from going to fashion school uh so i do costume design uh in dance for jessica lang dance okay um and jessica lang choreographer uh and for opera i i'm more interested in uh smaller opera productions chamber pieces chamber pieces Mm -hmm. or or big pieces but not in the big hall i see an off-site project so i'm not dealing with a 3,000 seat opera house Mm -hmm. although for dance now i am dealing with that size theater Mm -hmm. um but i was i loved having the smaller venues close up why does it Um,
0: change the it does it change the way you design a piece of uh, absolutely it does yeah in what way absolutely Just just how you actually see the the piece of clothing yeah
1: at distance Yeah, how it, um, you know, how it reacts, how it reads, Mm -hmm. certain details, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have to make it read from the back of the house, Mm -hmm. Um, which fashion is not about reading from the back of the house. It's about details and kind of up close. Mm -hmm. So I definitely understand the difference between fashion and costume. Mm -hmm. Costume has to be able to project Mm -hmm. to the back. It's not just about the details but it's about a bigger picture Mm -hmm. um and it's got to tell the story of the character but fashion does too and they're very closely related uh in the way that i design costumes i'm not doing period you know shakespeare festival Mm -hmm. costumes Mm -hmm. i'm doing fashion-based costumes and for fashion i'm doing costume-based fashion right I wanted to ask you one
0: last question: um, Are people born with style? Yes. Yeah, it seems to me that I, I was thinking about this on the way over, and it seems to me that people often confuse status with style. Right where I see it, like a Vuitton bag, and they think they're being fashionable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really not. It's
1: true. Money can't buy taste. Huh. Um, it, it's the same as. Uh, an artist, a painter, uh, business, business sensibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are meticulously organized and some people aren't. You know, it's just right. in that style. It's like you either put something together that's exciting or you care about that. Right. So you invest time in it and learn yeah. and have an experience with it or you don't. You just put on the shirt and shorts that your mom bought you and then... Yeah the ones that your girlfriend bought you and then the ones that your wife bought you and hopefully they have good style. Yeah. And it's don't.
0: funny because advertising tries to tell us that you, you can do be that, right? Like,
1: well, of course, cause yeah. you want it, you have to buy yeah. <laughs> it. That's, that's the <laughs> brilliance of, of yeah. marketing. Yeah. And I sort of pitched that towards, you know, guys don't have any style, but you know, that's, that's not true. Yeah. And, uh, I think nowadays there's a big shift that guys don't have as much to choose from in fashion, but I think they're a lot more savvy, especially young guys. Yeah. High school, I mean, it's very, very important Mm -hmm. what you wear. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot more fashion statements happening Mm -hmm. from guys. Women, it's become very monogamous. Monogamous, mm, homogenous, homogenous mm-hmm. for women. It's become very homogenous, mm-hmm. and there are certain looks and certain types of people that you consider yourself to be, uh, and you have to shop in those stores. And mm-hmm. it's a little scary going outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Where in the eighties, women, you know, were knocking it out of the park with right. personal style and right. ripping and color your own t-shirt and, yeah. and asymmetrical earrings and mm-hmm. whatever color and. And could do their own thing. Now it's um, it's a little more difficult to do your own thing, I think because of social media, uh, especially with young women, because there's so much scrutiny. And so, and so personal so style is kind of suffering you know, for it, yeah. Yeah, I think uh-huh. there's, you know, you want to look good on Instagram, mm-hmm. and so there's certain things, and you don't want to step out of that. Mm-hmm. I think for guys it's become freer. Mm-hmm. So who knows what the future.
0: Yeah. How about for you? Do you have a, a line of your own? Um,
1: Like, are you planning your own label or your own no, boutique and Neiman Marcus? You know, or? of course, well, that would be just wonderful, but I wouldn't be able to do anything else. Right. Yeah. You know, it would take so many years of investment to do a fashion label, and it's very, very risky. So, at this point, I love doing one-of-a-kind stuff for red carpet, uh, private clients, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, some bridal stuff. Mm-hmm when clients come to me and they have a picture out of them, a magazine of exactly what they want, mm-hmm. I turn them down instantly. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't want anybody that already knows what they want and just wants it for 25% of the tag price. Right. Cause I can't do it. Right. Um, I love doing intricate stuff and sculptural stuff and wacky stuff and just beautiful classic stuff too, but in a different way. But I don't want to know what it is mm-hmm. before I start. I want to find something new. So mm-hmm. if those clients want to come along with me on that the journey, journey mm-hmm. that's never going to pay enough for the product anyway, it better be, you know, artistically a, a, a gratifying. Passion, passion project. Yeah, those are my clients.
0: I see. Okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate you chatting. chatting my with me. pleasure. I mean, it was really interesting for me that you you've worked in two fields that I know nothing about. I am so glad you do suffer fools occasionally because I probably asked some (laughs) questions that you you thought were ridiculous, but I really enjoyed myself. And uh, again, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you.